Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Travelmation Podcast where we want to help you win with all things travel, Disney, and more. Now today's episode is going to be so great, we're so excited because we are talking all about the reopening of not only Disney's Hollywood Studios, but the beloved Epcot as well. As you know, last week we were talking all about Animal Kingdom's reopening and Magic Kingdom's reopening, and so we're really excited to share with you all the latest news as it comes from these new parks. All right, so we are live. We've got Tim Elrod in the house, Christina Riccio. I am Alston Causey, and we are doing a little bit of a mix-up today. Tim, why don't you go ahead and tell us where you are? So, yeah, I am currently recording live from our standard room here at Pop Century at Walt Disney World. So we have connecting rooms. Kids are asleep next door, and I'm recording the podcast. It's perfect. Nice. Christina, where are you at? I am in my home office in South Florida on this very rainy day. Nice. And then I'm in Atlanta. We are not officially live, but Tim is still representing us live from the Walt Disney World Resort area. So we're saying we're live from there today, even though we're connected by Zoom. I'm still there in my heart, honestly. I feel like mentally I'm still there, which I know a lot of you (laughs) listening, you are there with us as well. Tim, how does it feel to be in that standard room at the Pop Century? Oh, well, I think we got upgraded to a preferred location. So, you know, we're just feeling lucky Ooh. over here today. So it's great. It's actually storming right now. It's the nice afternoon, one thirty, you know, Florida thunderstorm. So it's a good time to be inside Classic. recording. Classic. That's awesome. Well, I think we should just dive in. I know there's so much content to get to. I want to talk a little bit about even Animal Kingdom since you and I got to experience that after Christina did, but then we can spend the bulk of our time on Disney's Hollywood Studios and Epcot. Um, But before there, I know you said you had some notes just about the Pop Century check-in process. So why don't you walk us through kind of that experience? Yeah, so I think as we get through this opening couple of weeks, you know, Disney obviously reopening Walt Disney world is quite the undertaking. And so last weekend when we were here, we stayed over at the Polynesian resort, which had already been open for almost a month. Now they opened up, you know, middle of June or so June 22nd and, uh, but pop century reopened last Saturday. So they've only been open for a week. And I think you can just kind of tell that they're still working out some of the bugs and kinks and, you know, just getting back into the routine of things. Um, our room definitely, we had told it would be ready early and then it took until about four thirty or so to get our room. Um, and they said that some of that is due to the enhanced cleaning procedures due to COVID and all of that. Um, but you know, just some bugs with that. I think they're still figuring out some of the mobile ordering, um, procedures and the food court and all of that. Uh, but overall, you know, they're, they're doing their best. So Well, and I would say that that seems to be the bottom line with pretty much everything we experienced. We left um, on Thursday from our trip, had about six nights at the Animal Kingdom Lodge. And even there, like you said, there's going to be growing pains as they press reset on what Disney post-COVID is going to be like. For sure. So Polynesian to Pop Century, even Deluxe to Value, it doesn't really matter there. It, It more matters about all these cast members trying to figure out 
what are the new procedures, how to make those expedient for guests, because even with the attractions, they're cleaning more often, which is great for safety, but not great for the efficiency of time that you need to go places. Uh, Christina, did you experience anything like that when you were there? Not really, because um, my in-laws do live in Orlando, so we just stay with them, and I really just had more of a park experience rather than a ho- you know a resort experience of course we 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 went to we did some mobile ordering and we did have a little little hiccup there um just because no one really knew at, it, specifically I'm speaking about in Pandora at Satuli Canteen that they had you have to mobile order outside you know you can't go inside until your order is ready so it was just kind of figuring out that kind of that kind of new procedure <clears throat> And just coming from a, a business owner standpoint, you know, it's obvious things are changing every day. So we have to adapt as business owners and we have to tell our employees how things, you know, are going to be different starting from here on out. And it's difficult with 50 employees, 10 employees, let alone 80,000. Right. So you just have to kind of give them a little bit of time and grace to figure out the kinks because it's it is going to be difficult for them. Well, and I would say that is going to be one of the first tips of this episode is that if you are not yet familiar with mobile ordering, go ahead and get used to it because it is everywhere. It's not even an option at some places. It's a requirement where it kind of used to be that, you know, best kept secret of the resort um, and not even the resorts in the park restaurants because you you would place your mobile order while you're waiting in line for an attraction and then click I'm here when you're five minutes away, your food's ready, boom, bada bing, bada boom, you eat. Especially with kids, that was always our go-to. But now that everybody's on mobile ordering, you've just got to be way ahead of the game. Um, We even, we had a mobile ordering experience. We ordered from Primo Piatto and Disney's Riviera Resort. We mobile ordered while we were on the Skyliner I'm not saying I cheated the system, but I did tap I'm here while we were still on the (laughs) Skyliner. And still, we walked all the way from the Riviera, um, from the Skyliner at Riviera to Primo Piatto. Food still wasn't ready. So I didn't feel bad that I had checked in so early, especially because when you have a five-year-old and a one-year-old, you have to do these things. You guys that are listening (laughs) with kids, you understand. It is. That's right. So mobile ordering is a must um, I would just make sure that if you're not familiar with it yet, get used to it. It's here to stay. All right. Now, let's go to where everybody wants us to go. They want to hear about the parks, right? We all love the resorts. I mean, that is when you say welcome home, we all know that that means you're in the resorts, you're at Walt Disney World. But let's talk about the two newest parks to open in Walt Disney World, Disney's Hollywood Studios and Epcot, two beloved parks um, and just honestly, it was such a great experience. I got to go to both. Tim, you've been, uh, where, where did you go yesterday? Yeah, so yesterday we spent the whole day at Epcot. And then tomorrow on Sunday, we'll be heading to Hollywood Studios for the first time. So it'll be fun to check that out. But we did get a nice Epcot day yesterday. So that was great. And then Christina, I know your trip's in a couple of weeks, but you've been researching around the clock so that all the listeners can have all the latest insights <laughs> Of course, and I'm living vicariously through Tim and his wife and all of our Travelmation friends who are there right now, living vicariously through all their social media posts. 
Yes, if you're not following Travelmation on social media, that is a great tip from this episode. You'll see all the agents that are that are there representing, going to the different parks, trying all the things for your benefit, not just for ours. We want it to be, like we said at the beginning of this podcast, we want to set you up for success for your next trip. And so we've got some questions even that agents submitted to us about these parks. Um, but let's just go high-level overview, Tim. Epcot. What was it like to be back in one of our favorite parks? <laughs> well, I mean, depending on the day, if you ask me what my favorite park is, I mean, that it's highly likely that Epcot would be the answer. Um, I just love Epcot. We were staying at Pop Century, so we obviously went in via the Skyliner. So we, um, just like you, made a pit stop at Riviera, got some cold brew coffee and pastries, and then went over to the, the entrance Home World Showcase. And if you follow me or any of the people that were with us on Instagram, I mean, we were literally running through like the bridge over to France and there was no other person around. Like you could have thrown a Frisbee and not hit anybody. Um, so that was kind of bizarre at first. That's a dream. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the park opens at 11 a.m. Um, they were letting people in a little bit early. Um, but so, you know, if you come in from that, that entrance, as soon as you walk in now, you can go ahead and order food from the, the booths for food and wine festival, which is pretty cool. If you want to do that for lunch, we actually had lunch reservations at Via Napoli. Um, but yeah, it was just great to be back. We did, I think every ride in Epcot, except for test track, we were in line twice and twice it went down. So that did not happen, but Besides that, we did everything, um, and it was just great to be back. So it was really fun. It did. It felt so good to be back. We went to Epcot on Thursday before we left. But I will say one of the things that you said, you kind of went past really quick, but it's so important. Epcot currently, all of Epcot is not opening until 11 a.m. I know it used That's to right. be, you know, Future World would open up a couple hours before World Showcase. But right now, all of Epcot is opening at 11 a.m. And that could that's always subject to change. But when we went there, it was the same story. So we had a good breakfast and then took our time getting over there. But you're right. I think they let us in about 30 minutes before official 11 a.m. Yeah. Eastern Standard Time. Um, but man, you, you brought up a little bit of a controversy here. And I'm curious to hear Ooh. Christina's thoughts on this too. <laughs> because like you mentioned, Food and Wine Festival, or as it's called right now, taste of food and wine festival because and I, I appreciate that it's not the same as the right. whole shebang of food and wine festival but during t during taste of food and wine festival you mentioned that you made a dining reservation and in That's my right. family that is like blasphemy you never make so, dining reservations during food and wine festival Let's just say that Tim needed to get back to his That's favorite correct. restaurant That's we'll correct just, we'll just say that And just to be fair we <laughs> We kept the entire dinner window reserved for snacking around taste of food and wine. So we hit up Canada. We got some of the, I mean, we hit up all the booths. So yeah. Didn't let you down completely. No, it's okay. I'd be, I'd be curious to see which camp the listener falls in. Do you, do you want to have a dining reservation secure or are you like me where I literally could just eat around the entire world? I and want I think, to eat around the world. Definitely. And I think a good... Just a good reminder there, like pre-COVID, I think that's a great idea. But I think we've found out, especially True. having four kids with us this week versus last weekend, it was just me and Mallory. I mean, these sit-down dining reservations 
are literally and figuratively a breath of fresh air. I mean, you get to sit down, air condition. That is right. true. Take the mask off. So, you know, finding a spot to eat on like a trash can for your, you know, as your table for, you know, your food and wine plate, <laughs> as we all love to do and take our Instagram pictures on. Um, yep. Having, being able to go sit down for an hour or so is, is a really nice break. So that is a good point. Well, well defended. I can respect that. The breath of fresh air could not be more literal because you are not breathing through a mask for a hot second while you're at your table. What was your favorite thing that you ate this year, Taste of Food and Wine Festival? So I'm always a fan of the booth in Canada. The filet is just, it's fantastic. Mm, Yes. I also really liked, they have a buffalo mac and cheese that's at the mac and cheese booth in the World Show Place, which is... In between Canada and the UK, inside of World Showplace, they've got, I don't know, four or five. There's like a festival favorites booth, a mac and cheese. That's where the cider booth is um, with like the frozen apple pie and the popcorn and stuff. So that's also a really great place to go if the weather's bad because it was massive. The tables were extremely spread out, lots of room, um, and it was a nice place to go. So the mac and cheese or the filet probably for me. Great call. Uh, Christina, if you're if the listener out there is not familiar with World Showplace, tell us a little bit about what kind of the research you did there. What what do they normally have going on in there? So normally World Showplace is behind these gates and no one knows what's back there and the gates are always closed and really it's for private events. They do a lot of the cheerleading uh, conventions there. Um, it's right next to Canada. And you'll notice there's these big, big gates. They're always closed, and it's always such a mystery. But now they're letting us in, so so we're very excited for that. That is super cool. Uh, favorite thing that I had, we ate – I love – I mean, the filet is a go-to, right? I mean, I feel bad for yeah. Canada because they can't bring in new menu no, items for you food and wine festival. You can't change the menu. They just, no. If they ever strayed, yeah, you can't, <laughs> you can't take away the filet. Um, so that's obviously a favorite. We love that one every time. Um, one of the things that I had this year, which was amazing at in the China, not um, in the China, like actual country, but in the China booth, they have a Mongolian bao bun, which was Ooh. fantastic. Mm. Loved that. And then my second favorite thing was the smoky mango margarita from the Mexico Pavilion. Oh that was fantastic as well. It had that spiced rim, kind of like uh, the Skipper Canteen mango drink that you guys <laughs> make fun of me for liking so much. It's a great drink, <laughs> but the spiced rim makes it. So I think um, I'm going to change. Anything else just about Epcot? I think I'm going to change my park reservation tomorrow. We don't need to go to Hollywood. We'll go back to Epcot. We'll just go eat. <laughs> <laughs> Food-wise, that would be a great decision. There was not a lot to eat in Hollywood Studios, and we'll talk about that in a second. Um, Here's one of the questions from some of the other Travelmation agents. The first one, and I think you kind of answered this, but they said, did the World Showcase feel dead with so much closed and the beloved international cast members missing? You know, I didn't feel that way. I saw some people mention that on Twitter and Instagram, Um, but I would say... Definitely when we came out of Via Napoli after we ate lunch, it was it was busier for sure. And so there were people around. We went into the store in Japan. That's one of our favorite stores, the little candy shop in the back. And they have a ton mm-hmm. of cool uh, souvenirs. 
Um, we went into several gift shops. You know, Mexico is open. Um, so I didn't feel it was lacking a ton. I know there are some stores and restaurants that are not available, but um, my favorite spot, Cava de Tequila. Got to see Hilda there, who is the manager, and all of the the normal <laughs> cast members are there working, and so that was really cool. Got to see them, but yeah, I don't. I mean, it's everything's different now, right? Like it's going to feel a little bit different just from all of the new rules and everything. But sure, as an Epcot fan, it still felt great to me. How, how did you feel, Austin? I agree. I mean, honestly, attraction-wise, some of the queues were longer than the Magic Kingdom queues from the day that we went for opening day. Um, And some people would argue they've got less attraction, so obviously people are going to be more concentrated. But honestly, my favorite part of Epcot is World Showcase, and it still felt alive to me. Now, we weren't there in the nighttime when all the people that come to drink around the world with their matching shirts and the bippity-boppity-boos, <laughs> and, you know, they weren't there yet. They weren't out. Um, but it still felt great to me. I loved um, – they did another kind of character cavalcade, Mickey and Minnie and Goofy and Pluto. I saw that. It looked great. They were driving in this fancy car around World Showcase – Um, which we made a pro move. And my daughter, who's one and a half, she can tend to cry if she gets too hot. So we just kind of parked ourselves behind the parade and followed it around World Showcase so she could watch (laughs) Minnie and Mickey the whole time. So pro tip there if you haven't done that yet. Um, But quick story about Cava de Tequila. I made um, this, you know, interesting observation. When we went into the Mexico Pavilion, as is everywhere in Walt Disney World right now. They have the social distancing markers. And so immediately we're walking into Epcot in the Mexico Pavilion and we're getting at these social distance markers, trying to get in line for the Grand Fiesta Tour. Um, it's a, I know some of you out there, you're probably <laughs> like, why are you riding that? Um, it was my son's first Walt Disney World ride. It's the best. first attraction. It's so so it, it has a special place in our hearts. Um, so we thought we were in line for that, and it turns out we were actually in the queue for Cava de Tequila. So I thought you would appreciate <laughs> that because of your love for that restaurant. That's right. Love that place. We'll co- and I love that we'll ride. refer to it. It's a classic. It is a classic. Um, any other thoughts about Epcot before we take the Skyliner over to Hollywood Studios? Well, I'll be there on August 7th. If anyone's around, we can meet up. And I will definitely be drinking around and eating around the world and not making any reservations that day. Nice. What are you most excited about, Christina? I said, I feel like I said it last week, but just to be back, just to be on property in a park is enough for me. Yeah. It's, it would, you know, we go all the time. So it's just, it's so hard to be without that magic for so many months. That's definitely the longest we've ever gone. Listen, my son, who was born just last year, he, got his eight-week shots, and then we went to Disney. So I only went eight weeks without it when That's he was awesome. first born. So it's just, it's it's instilled in us. So it's so nice to be back. That's awesome. Yeah, just one more note, and that's a that's a good transition with the Skyliner. But so we're staying at Pop Century, and we were told that, you know, the Skyliner would be running at 9 a.m. We could get on. Um, so we left Pop Century around 9 and got to Caribbean beach. And yesterday they had made the decision not to open the Epcot and Riviera leg until 1030. And so Mm. they did not know that at pop century. (laughs) 
And so we were kind of stuck there. Holy moly. Um, and so there were some people that weren't too happy. Um, and so I think their, their, their reasoning for that was to not have a bunch of people backed up waiting, you know, at the world showcase entrance of Epcot. Um, so just know that whenever you come to be flexible, you know, there, I mean, things are changing by the day, by the hour. Um, so just know that, you know, always check if, if things are going to be open before you're hopping on yeah. them and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, let's take the Skyliner on over to Hollywood studios. Yeah. How was, how was your day there? Busy. I hear. It was busy. We were there for opening day. We had to make the tough choice on July 15th. Would we go to Epcot or would we go to Hollywood Studios? We opted for Hollywood because my son is a huge, huge Star Wars fan. And so he was just so excited to get back in Galaxy's (laughs) Edge. And there is so much to cover there. It poured that day. Um, But I will say, and this was so shocking to me because I really thought Magic Kingdom was going to be the one with the biggest draw. Um, But after experiencing that on opening day, I was surprised Hollywood Studios was slammed. I mean, we all took screenshots the day we were in Magic Kingdom, five minute wait time here, five minute wait time there, even for the bigger things. But in Hollywood Studios, I mean... Runaway Railway, which I always have a hard time saying, yeah, <laughs> was 120 minutes at the time Ooh. we got in the park, which was like 15 Whoa. minutes after opening. And so part of that, it's it's different. Every queue is different. Every attraction is different because of how they've changed it for social distancing. And I think because the ride is new, because they had to spread people out more for social distancing, it's just a longer queue. So we didn't even get to do it because it was, it never went below 80 minutes. That was the lowest that I saw it throughout the day. So So here's the thing with, with Hollywood studios as a, as a pro, you could probably tell people, you know what, it might be slower in the second half of the day, but the, but the problem with Hollywood Studios is now everyone's trying to get onto Rise of the Resistance, yes. and now we have to do it at opening. Yep. So everyone's going to try to check into the queue at Rise of the Resistance, and then you know go to go from the virtual queue to the the real queue at Mickey's Runaway Railway. Yeah, and so that's, that's kind of difficult. Yeah, and that's a good point to bring up. They actually just switched that process. So if you came in the past, if you came. Um, from the time Galaxy's Edge Rise of the Resistance opened before it closed, um, you were familiar that you had to get there probably about two hours before park opening so that you could be in line to get a boarding group when you got in the parks. They, oh, you mean at 5 a.m.? Yeah, at 5 a.m. most of the time. <laughs> I remember. Um, and I had I had just gotten that system down, but they changed it. So it's not the same anymore. The opening day, they and they made announcements probably every hour about the new changes, and it was all over the My Disney Experience app. But the way they're doing it now, unless they've changed it since I went on the 15th, <laughs> is they're currently doing three options for getting in a boarding group. So you got your first option at 10 a.m., which was when the park opened. They released more at 1 a.m. I'm sorry, 1 p.m., and then they released more at 4 p.m. Now, here's The scary thing about this, and here's why I would tell you to get there at 10 a.m., if not before. I mean, you should probably be there at 9 so you can be ready to go at 10 Mm a.m. You have to be in the parks. When we were there in the past, let's say March, when we were doing those boarding groups, you probably had three minutes. You probably had from the time it opened to about three minutes, 180 seconds to get in a boarding group and be safe. I'm not kidding you when I say that they were all gone. All boarding groups were gone 
before 10.01 a.m. And so obviously they have to make that window smaller because it's smaller amounts of groups. Um, But they were gone so fast. And here's the thing, which I think is really interesting, is they've changed the way that the MyQ part of the app looks like. And it kind of looks like it's being built for more attractions to join that similar type of system. Because Mm -hmm. you can look at MyQs instead of just looking at your Rise of the Resistance queue. So all that to say, I got on right at 10 a.m. I was ready to go, clicked my name. And as you guys know, if you've done this before, you have to grab your family um, from your family and friends list. None of my family was in there. Literally names of strangers that I've never seen before in my life were on this list. And I'm like, I'm not picking any of them to be in my boarding group. So I I just, I went with my gut. I picked... I didn't know who they were. So I picked my name. I got a boarding group, but I was the only one in my family to get a boarding group. And so I tried to do it even 30 seconds after that for the two other members of my family. And it said they were all full. So obviously we had to talk to mm. a guest, guest services cast member. They were great about it. Um, but even when we tried to do it at 1 p.m. for the rest of my family, they still didn't have any. I mean, it was gone super quick. Wow. So... What I thought was interesting, and this is a rumor. I don't know if this is confirmed. Maybe you guys can tell me if this is confirmed. After all the boarding groups were done, we were leaving the park at about 7 p.m. It closed at 8 p.m. And I noticed that there was a queue building outside of Rise of the Resistance. And so I started wondering, I was like, I wonder if this is a queue of people that are just waiting, hoping that they'll get through all the boarding groups, and then they'll let this queue in. Have you guys heard anything about that or seen anything like that? That sounds like something Tim would definitely know from Twitter. <laughs> I haven't seen that that was a thing, honestly, but it wouldn't surprise me because that's yeah, that's what either. they were doing before the park shut down for COVID was they would let you kind of queue up at the end of the night or it was like all of the people who had recovery issues with the ride that were able to board at the end. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Well, I'll, um, I'll keep my eyes out open tomorrow when we're there. See if, see if that happens. And good luck getting a boarding group, my man. You can do it. If there's anybody that's faster <laughs> on their phone than Tim Elrod, I've not met that person. Oh, yeah. and we have si- I have but six overall, to choose, so yeah. hopefully hopefully, I recognize <laughs> the names when I go to add them. That'd be good. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so, I did, Austin, were they able to help you, and were you able to get on, or you were never able to get on? We were able to get on. So okay, I, showed them, I showed them that I had a reservation. I explained what happened with the name craziness, and um, you know, I'm, I think Disney tries to be gracious in the believing of stories. I'm sure they've sure. heard everything when it comes to <laughs> Rise of the Resistance, but they did honor what I was saying, which was Good. true. And so, yes, thank goodness we got to ride it. I mean, my son watches that on YouTube when we're not in the parks because he it is, <laughs> he just loves that ride. Kylo Ren was active this time. We didn't have to get the version where he's kind of in the screen. Um, right. So that was great. It was very, very socially distant. So if you're in a longer queue for that, even after you get through your boarding group, it makes sense because, you know, there's so many different scenes. I don't want to, you know, spoil it if you haven't done it yet. But specifically, there's this one scene when you're in a containment cell and they just had four of us in there instead of the usual 16 that are in that, you know, kind of queue spot. So it was different. Um, We didn't get to do everything in Hollywood Studios, but we always go back for a nap. So that kind of sucked some of that time out anyway. Right. That's great. So you mentioned um, a lack of food options at Hollywood. What 
What did that look like? What was open? What was closed? What did you guys end up eating while you were there? So yeah, the food was interesting. And honestly, we didn't make dining reservations just because, you know, we didn't know we were even going to Hollywood studios until under the 60 day mark. Um, but yeah, the only options really by the time that we were in the parks were, um, not Hollywood Brown Derby, but what's the Italian place? Mama Melrose. Muppets, not Pizza Rizzo. <laughs> Mama Melrose. Mama yeah. Melrose, yep. There was one spot open for that. I clicked it. And then, of course, you know, the sorry for the pause. Somebody had already <laughs> grabbed it before I did. <laughs> yep. So um, I'm trying to, I'm even having a hard time thinking about which quick service ones were open. I mean, there's an occasional popcorn place where you can get food. Um yeah, I, I heard some people getting reservations at 50s prime time, so I know that that was open. Um, but we actually just ended up leaving, and that's when we went to Riviera to go to Primo Piatto for the quick service, which was oh, delicious. Nice. Total yeah. aside, but where can you get a $7.99 cheese charcuterie board? I mean, that was oh fantastic. So that's best awesome. hidden <laughs> snack. Um, but yeah, it, it was a it was a great day at Hollywood Studios. We did. All of Toy Story Land was fantastic. We did Slinky Dog in less than 30 minutes. We did Toy Story Mania in less than 30 minutes. We did Alien Swirling Saucer. So all of that was great. Um, We didn't get to do Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run, but the queue for that was about 30 minutes as well. When you're traveling with two young kids, it's always child swap. So whatever attraction you're on is double the time. So we just chose Rise of the Resistance, and gosh, it was everything that we were waiting for it to be. Good. Um, let's go through some of the agent questions for Hollywood Studios, though. So, Tim, I'll let you ask these. All righty. So, you talked about the queues a little bit, but what did those specifically look like in Galaxy's Edge regarding Rise of the Resistance, Millennium Falcon? Did you know anything? notice anything different regarding those queues? I did see something about, was Rise like going through Muppets area, like when it got that long? When it got that long, we didn't get... We weren't there when it was that long, but I did hear that as well. So they totally broke down wow. the fourth wall. I mean, <laughs> you went from being in yeah. Star Wars Galaxy's Edge to the Muppets, and that is not within theme. But Oops. yeah, that has been very interesting for those rides that they knew were going to get longer queues. Like even if you look at Flight of Passage online, I mean, it goes all the way out basically to the Lion King Theater, wraps around because you're having to multiply the number of guests right. by six feet gaps. And so it's just created these enormous yeah. queue lines. Um, but other than that, everything felt pretty similar. I mean, we were in the you know outside area for a while. It would break down for 30 minutes, be back up, we'd move again. So it's actually nice because it makes the cues feel like they move faster Mm -hmm. because you're not in kind of those wraparound sections for such a long time. So that's a slight benefit. I noticed that too. Um, Christina, Um, do you know if they're doing Jedi training still or not? Is that happening? uh, Jedi training, it's temporarily unavailable. Again, they're just trying to eliminate the amount of people crowding. Yeah. So... Unfortunately for right now, Jedi training is is on the back burner, but it'll come back. Yeah. Of all the shows that I was sad to miss, it, it just hurt not being able to go see Fantasmic. That is like oh, my no. jam, especially the Disneyland version. I know this is a Walt Disney World primary <laughs> podcast, but man, the Disneyland version of Fantasmic. Ooh. Yeah. Awesome. When we were walking around World Showcase yesterday... Lorelai, our daughter, looked at me and said, Daddy, can we watch the show out on the water tonight? And I was like, no, baby, not tonight. Maybe next time. Um, 
Yeah, so about regarding crowd levels, those definitely seem to be a lot bigger at Hollywood Studios than the other three parks right now, correct? Yeah, I mean, I'm not a crowd expert per se, but obviously when you're looking in the My Disney Experience app and pretty much everything is above that 15-minute mark, which we kind of made as you know the standard that was Magic Kingdom and Animal Kingdom, even Flight of Passage I was in for a 30-minute wait. Um, but yeah, Runaway Railway was at 80 to 120. That was always the longest. I think there was just so many people that didn't get to ride that in the short amount of time that it was yeah. open. And my biggest joke is, man, what a prediction that ended up being because 2020 can basically be summed up as a runaway railway in just a year. So <laughs> they knew what they were doing when they opened that one in March. That's funny. I mean, but yeah, overall, it did seem way more crowded. Talking about crowd levels, though, the day that we got here on Thursday with our kids, we drove straight from our house to Animal Kingdom. Um, we were there from 11 a.m. to around 3 p.m. And in that time, we mm -hmm. sat down for an hour at Nomad Lounge for lunch, and we rode everything in the park twice. Like, it was cr everything was five minutes. Uh, Flight of Passage, we just walked straight through the queue. So... Yeah, that's an, if you're an Animal Kingdom fan right now is the time to be there for sure. Um, speaking of Animal Kingdom, Christina, why don't you tell us about some of the confirmed news that was just dropped about Animal Kingdom? Oh, yeah. So we just talked about this. Uh, Rivers of Light has been axed and also Primeval World there in that Dino Land USA area. So also they're decided they moving over to Magic Kingdom. They decided to close uh, Stitch's Great Escape as well. Not. Personally, I'm not really upset about any of them. I do kind of like Primeval World. It's definitely different, but I mean, I'm not that upset about, especially not Rivers of Light and and Stitch. That's just was a nice place to get some AC to me <laughs> in Tomorrowland. Yeah. <laughs> well, Tim, I know Rivers of Light specifically was one of your favorite attractions. So I have it? to make a confession here. <laughs> I've never seen Rivers of Light, and it seems like I never will. So. You know, I, don't, I can't, I don't know if wow. I can be sad about it if I never saw it. Well, here's the thing with Rivers of Light. For those of you that have seen it, I know it has its fan base. Here's what I always tell people. Technologically, that show is amazing. The problem is the average viewer cares nothing about the technological advancements that made right. that show possible. I know the big one was like the floating lotuses that had jet ski motors. That was a game changer for theme park technology, but you can't tell that because they're underwater. And so to the viewer, it's just like, oh, that's a really cool floating lotus. Oh, look at but that flower. you miss out on all the good. So I'm excited. I think with every closure comes new great things. Disney does not, I mean, sometimes they just leave stuff there if they don't have plans for it. But I feel like when they officially decide to close things, that normally means another chapter is coming. So Absolutely. I'm For curious sure. what's going to happen in the primeval world section, because even that ride, it, I mean, when I, whenever I was there, it had a significant wait time. So it wouldn't fall yeah. in kind of the category of nobody's on this. So they must have something different in store. Maybe dinosaur 2020 is coming. Who knows? Have you guys done that before primeval world? Yeah, I'm not a fan. <laughs> I, yeah, I've done it. It just seems like a ride you can do at every fair that comes across America. Yeah. So That's it, like the best way to crack your back, I think. Right. 
Um, all right, guys. Any final thoughts as we're wrapping this episode about Hollywood Studios and Epcot? Anything that you're excited about, Christina, specifically for your trip or Tim for tomorrow with your first day back at Hollywood Studios? I'm really excited about food and wine. Just excited to walk around World Showcase and, again, just be on property. That is – that's – the theme of my life for 2020. I just want to be back on property. Yeah, that's true. It was a great, <clears throat> it's a great feeling. And uh, I'm excited about Hollywood. It's become one of my favorite parks. I'm, you know, just hoping for some good luck with the rise of the resistance. Um, but if not, uh, we'll, we'll enjoy the rest of the park. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it and um, excited to be back. Yeah, that's awesome. And one final thing, just specifically about galaxy's edge. I know a lot of people have been asking about this. Currently, you can get reservations for Oga's Cantina and you can get reservations for the Droid Depot, but they're not currently doing reservations for the lightsaber experience. And they've said that that is going to continue to be closed through phase one. So we aren't sure when that's coming back, um, but I know a lot of people that's, you know, kind of a deal breaker for their trip is how many of the Galaxy's Edge experiences will be open. So hopefully that gives you a good picture. You you can still get your blue and green milk should you choose to, if you like said things. Um, but other than that, Galaxy's Edge felt just as great as when it opened. And it was just so good, so good to be back. And with all the social distancing in place, Guys, if you're listening out there and you're on the fence about it, Epcot has so much to offer. World Showcase has everything that it had to offer before. Um, Gosh, it was such a great experience, but specifically even Hollywood Studios, it's still worth the trip to me. I know we joked about this on the last podcast, but I would definitely wear a mask to go to those parks. So thanks so much for listening today. We'll catch you guys next week. Bye. See you all soon. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast this week. It's time for another round of Trivia with Tim. If you listened to last week's episode, our question was where in Walt Disney World were me and Austin recording from? The correct answer was in Tomorrowland. And this week's contest winner is David Madron. Congrats, David. You have a special Disney swag item coming your way. For this week's question, which park officially opened first, Disney's Hollywood Studios or Epcot? We will randomly select one person who gets it right by going to travelmation.net slash trivia to enter your question. Hope you guys have a great week and we'll see you real soon.